God uses miracles to transform our thinking and our perspective and give us hope in our lives. This message is the first in the series, The God of Miracles. The message is entitled, Miracles That Transform Us. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, good morning, everybody. We're right here in Bethlehem and we're at the Shepherd's Field uh, here in Bethlehem. And this is the site that uh, is commemorated as being the location uh, where the shepherds were when the birth announcement was, was given to them by the angels uh, about the birth of Jesus the Messiah. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read a portion of Scripture here for you, and then we'll talk about its application to our lives uh, as we're talking about the God of miracles. Of course, the greatest miracle of all is God becoming flesh and being born into our world. And the Bible says in verse number 8 of Luke chapter 2, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring or cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of, heavenly, of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. In this story, we have obviously that night that Jesus was born in the story of the angelic visitation. Uh, while the shepherds were watching over their flocks by night, the Bible says. Uh, there are many different ideas about the shepherds that were here. One of the ideas is that perhaps they were the shepherds that were tending the sheep uh, that were destined for slaughter at the temple in Jerusalem. We don't know for sure, but that's a possibility. Uh, how appropriate that would be because obviously Jesus coming as the Lamb of God uh, represented the fact that He would be the greatest sacrifice once and for all for all the sins of the world. But nevertheless, can you imagine being a shepherd out taking care of your flocks by night here and you have this amazing angelic visitation? And what I think about when I read this story is I think about the, the joy of a birth announcement. I think all of you have received birth announcements from people before. Maybe you've sent them out when your child was born. And the, the fact that you send out an announcement to people that you want to know the, 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 the news. Okay, Maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, but you want to make sure that these people know that this child has been born. And when you think about the birth announcement of Jesus, God sending this announcement to the world, it's interesting to me that we only have recorded in the Bible two extraneous people or people groups that received this announcement. One was over in Persia. Those were the wise men, and they saw the star, the one who had been born, and they came to worship him, as you know that story. And the other group were the shepherds here in this field. So God, when He chose to announce the birth of His Son, chose to send a special invitation to or announcement to the wise men and to the... Where are we today? Right here at the shepherd's field. So think about this for a moment. When I think about this, I think of the fact that God was giving us a message. Nothing that God does is by random. It's not by accident. And when He announced to the wise men the birth of the Savior, He was announcing it to the upper... Uh, uh, echelon of society, the most elite people, the most educated people in the world of that day. These were guys that were really the top of their careers, if you will. They were people that represented the upper crust of society, and God sent the announcement to them, but also God sent the announcement to the lowly shepherds. It's amazing that God loves and cares about everyone. From the, from the highest level to the lowest degree, there's not a single person that is left outside of the announcement of God's love. 
Because back in those days, shepherds were not always considered the, the highest of an occupation. Sometimes they were despised. Sometimes they were even left out of worship at times because it was kind of a dirty, nasty job to be involved in taking care of sheep. But God said, when I come into the world, I want to make sure that the shepherds know that I'm here. The ones that are at the lowliest place of society, I want them to know that they're just as much, as invi much invited into the kingdom as those at the highest levels. And I love that about our Savior because He came, obviously Himself, born humbly, born in a cave, in a manger, if you will. We'll talk about that more as we get to the church of the, of the nativity. But I want you to be reminded today that God loves and cares about all of humanity. We identify with that reality. But there's also something else that we see there. As Jesus came and announced that His birth was announced to the shepherds, He was also identifying with shepherds. Because in John chapter 10, He says, I am the good Shepherd, exactly right. And so it was sort of like saying, these are my people, okay? My people are the shepherds. My people are the ones that care after sheep and take care of those that, that are flocking together. And of course, we are the sheep of His pastor, the sheep of His, of, his, of His flock. We belong to Him, those who acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord. And the good shepherd takes good care of his sheep. Because the good shepherd, any good shepherd loves his sheep. I was talking to Elias a moment ago and he was sharing a story with me that actually I've heard or read about before, but I did not know the specifics of it and did not know it was still practiced today by shepherds. But the story is told of obviously when you have shepherds, you have sheep obviously around as well and, and most of the sheep are going to be good. They're going to follow the good shepherd around, but sometimes sheep tend to go their own way. I think all of us have done that too, right? With God, we go our own way. But he was describing a story which is quite interesting, that shepherds, when they find a sheep that wanders away, they will actually go after that sheep, pull him in, and they will twist the leg of that sheep just to create enough of a problem, enough of a damage or pain to teach that little lamb a lesson. And then that shepherd will put that sheep on its shoulders and carry it around for a number of days until it heals and he begins the process of nurturing it back to health. And after that, that sheep will never leave again because that sheep has learned the smell of the shepherd by being nearby in the time of brokenness. Isn't that incredible to understand? Okay. And I would imagine that all of us have had our legs twisted by our shepherd before. Are we not? Okay. There have been times we kind of wander away from God and, and He comes along and says, let me give you a little twist right there, okay? And in that moment, we're drawn back to His heart, okay? He pulls us back close to Himself and He begins to nurture us back. And then after that, once that time that we had that moment of brokenness or, or, or need for being drawn back to Him because of some pain in our life, it causes us not to want to leave Him again. It draws us near to the heart of God. The psalmist said in the 23rd Psalm, because this is that Bethlehem represents the place of David at uh, his birth. And of course, this was the, 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 that was celebrated at the time of Jesus' birth as well. And David is known as well as a shepherd. He writes in the 23rd Psalm, in fact, as he reflects upon his own role as a shepherd, he reflects upon who God is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." 
One other thing I want to mention about, about a shepherd's role is not only does a shepherd, when a sheep wanders away, will, will that little moment of, of a correction come and nurturing back to health again, but good shepherds also, in the, especially in the summertime, they'll take oil, even to this very day, and rub oil on the top of that sheep's head. And that oil is there because it's very dry, obviously very arid. It keeps it moist, but also it helps protect it from insects and all kinds of things that could damage it in certain ways. And so the Lord wants to bring us to places in our life where we can be anointed. Our heads can be anointed with oil. Because I will tell you, the thing that will give you the most trouble in your life is your head. Right? Does your, does your mind give you, a, give you the same kind of trouble my mind does? Okay? It creates all kinds of scenarios and all kinds of things that go on in your head. But the shepherd comes along and anoints your head with oil so that there's a healthiness to the way you think. And I believe that that's one of the things that we want to remember today that is our good shepherd. He identified with shepherds when he was born. The birth announcement came to them. It's as though God was saying, these are my people. I'm a good shepherd. I belong to them. I'm a part of that kind of a group. And I take care of my sheep. And one of the ways that he takes care of us is by anointing our heads with oil. And one of my prayers for us today right here in this place is that God would freshly as the good shepherd in your life anoint your head with oil. Maybe you've had some troubling thoughts recently. Maybe there have been some things that are going on in your mind that's been causing you a lot of challenges. Maybe anxieties and worries and pressures that you felt inside your thinking. My prayer today for all of us is that God would come along by His Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is represented as the oil of God upon our lives. And our prayer today is that He as the Good Shepherd would come and anoint our heads with oil so that we might think the way He wants us to think. Because when your thinking changes, your life changes. If you want a better life, have better thinking because when you have better thinking you make better decisions and you make better decisions you have a better life so it all starts many times with our head that's why the Bible says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we can prove what is the good acceptable and perfect will of God so right here in these shepherd's fields as we are reminded of the birth announcement by the angel to the shepherds as we're reminded that God comes to the lowliest of people as we're reminded of Jesus as our good shepherd by him identifying by the birth announcement to the shepherds that he's the shepherd of our soul. My prayer for us today is in this place that God would anoint our heads with oil and give us a fresh way to think because a fresh way of thinking produces a fresh way of living. Is in this place that God would anoint our heads with oil and give us a Isn't it a beautiful morning out on the Sea of Galilee and it's gorgeous and what a great time of worship and we'll continue doing that in just a few moments but I want to take just a little bit of time and talk to you uh, from the scriptures, you'll turn to Mark chapter 4. And of course, one of the most familiar passages that we will read here in the Sea of Galilee is one that you're familiar with. That's the time when Jesus uh, did walk on the water and when Jesus calmed the storm. And I want to draw to your attention that story today. Mark chapter 4, I'll begin in verse number 35. I'm going to read from the New International Version. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Talking about the other side of this very sea that we're on today. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. We're talking in this time together about the God of miracles. I want to talk to you about the God of peace because peace is one of the most amazing miracles you, ever, you will ever have in your life. 
the peace that goes beyond just human peace, but the peace of God, the peace that God brings to us in the circumstances that we face. Let me tell you about this story. Jesus was in the boat with His disciples, very much like we're in a boat today. There were other boats with Him, and they were going to the other side of the lake. We don't know exactly where their destination was, fully all the details of all the events transpiring, but we know that Jesus was asleep in the boat with them. And in the midst of this journey, they were going somewhere. Jesus was taking them somewhere. And all of us today, Jesus has you on a journey. You're going somewhere with your life. Your life is not aimless. It's not just purposeless. You, you have a journey that you're going on. Jesus is taking you somewhere. But in the midst of going with Jesus on this journey, there were some problems that came up. It's important to remember that even though you're on journeys with Jesus, you still have problems. And in this situation, it was a furious squall. As I've described before, when you are on this lake, when the wind blows down from the various uh, parts of the mountains surrounding the... This can become quite a tumultuous event here on this, this sea. I've seen waves here before, actually, because the wind blows in very much like a bowl here, and the winds can whip up quite significantly, and the winds can make it uh, very stormy. And Jesus was in the boat sleeping while the disciples were facing the storm. Jesus was taking them on a journey, but they had a problem. And maybe that's where you are in your life today. Maybe there's a problem that you're facing, something that seems to be overwhelming to you, something that's far beyond what you can seem to handle yourself. They were actually about, they felt like they were about to drown. Water was coming on a boat. If you're on a boat and water's coming in the boat, that's not a good thing, okay? The water's supposed to stay outside the boat, not inside the boat. But the water's coming inside the boat, and they felt like they were going to drown. Now, in your life today, maybe it seems like there's a place where you're drowning in a circumstance where it seems very, very intimidating to you that something's just going to take you down. But they awakened Jesus, and He rose in that situation, and He taught them a very important lesson. Here's the lesson I want to give you today. The lesson for all of us is this. Every problem that comes into your life, whatever it is, is actually an opportunity for God to show up and prove His power to you. Every problem in your life is really an opportunity for God to show up. Every test of faith is something that produces the ability to see that faith really works. Okay? So when your faith is tested, it's not testing to try to break you. It's testing to show you that God will come through for you. It's a reminder of that. And so they were, their faith was being tested in this moment, but they awakened Jesus. He rises up, as you know, from the story we read a moment ago, and He rebukes the wind and He rebukes the waves, and immediately nature responded to Him. That's called supernatural, okay? When nature is doing one thing and Jesus says something else and nature responds to Jesus' words, that's supernatural. And our God is the supernatural God, okay? We must remember that. that when we're facing problems, don't ever let the, the nature of your problem define for you how the problem is going to turn out because you have a supernatural God, okay? And a supernatural God is able to step into what seems to be natural, what's going to be happening naturally, and to do something that goes beyond what is natural. That's the God of miracles that we serve. And so Jesus rises in that situation. He says, peace be still, and nature responds to the voice. Why? Because he was the one who created nature, okay? Nature had to respond to him because he was the creator of the very nature itself. And so, in fact, in the Greek language, uh, perhaps the most effective rendering of that statement when Jesus said, quiet uh, to the wind, he actually, the, the literal Greek is, be muzzled, put a muzzle on it. If you ever seen a mad dog and a muzzle put on it, Jesus said, put the muzzle on. You need to shut up and stop this process. And immediately the Bible says that peace came in, the, in their storm. 
I want to encourage you today, if you're facing some kind of storm in your life right now, or as you go forward in your life, we are going to all face problems. It's not Our life as believers, we don't have an insurance policy against problems, but we do have a God in the midst of our problems. And the God who's with us in the midst of our problem is a God who can give you peace in the midst of your storm and get you to the other side. They eventually made it to their destination. Don't ever think that a test in your life is going to keep you from your destiny. No, if you'll trust God in the midst of whatever you're facing, even though it's a problem, you'll still find your destiny because God will always bring you through to the other side. So here's what I want us to do for the next couple of moments in this quietness, the stillness, and this beautiful setting. Maybe you've got a problem in your life that you need to give over to God. Maybe it's been worrying you. Maybe you've been troubled over it. Maybe you haven't been able to sleep because of something that's been pressuring you, the anxiety. Sometimes anxiety comes in and grabs hold of us and just messes with our mind. Has, has worry ever messed with your mind? Okay, It sort of messes you up in the middle of the night, causes you to worry and anxious thoughts and all kind of imaginations of what could happen and might happen, begin to happen inside of you. And Jesus wants to step into your world today in the very same way that he was here on this sea. And he said, peace be still. Jesus wants to step into your soul today and declare, peace be still, to know that everything is going to be all right. Amen. If you want to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 36. Just as a, as a reminder, what we're going to talk about here in this Garden of Gethsemane is the, the night before Jesus was going to be crucified. Of course, this is a very important evening, as has already been described. It was the night that uh, Jesus spent some time with his disciples in the upper room. He had the time of sharing with them, washing the disciples' feet, teaching them what leadership was all about, servant leadership, describing the importance of serving one another. And then he leaves that place, comes across the Kidron Valley, and comes over to this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's here in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm going to now read from the Gospel of Matthew what transpired here in this particular, this particular place where we are this afternoon. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Where are we right now? Gethsemane. That's right where we are. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and, and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little, little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying to them, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So here's Jesus here in this setting, this Garden of Gethsemane, and more than likely he's come here many times. It was not just the first time he'd been here. It seems as though it was a place that he would come from time to time with his disciples, perhaps four times of prayer. But on this particular evening, he comes into this garden, and it's an unusual evening because he says to the disciples, I want you to stay here with me, just for, stay here for a moment, and, and three of you come with me a little farther because we're going to have a time of prayer. And then Jesus even removes himself a bit farther from the three, Peter, James, and John. 
and he goes and he kneels down on the ground. In fact, as tradition has it, there's a rock that you'll see inside this church that has been identified as the very rock that Jesus would have kneeled on and, and, and prayed upon on the night of this betrayal, the night of his prayer time here in this, this Garden of Gethsemane. So he goes in and he prays a prayer, and he's praying a prayer under pressure as was described a few moments ago. This is place, the place called the, the, the house or the place of the olive press. The olive press represented the three pressings of the olives. The press number one with the extra virgin olive oil, the second press with less quality olive oil, and the third press being the toughest one with sort of the dregs left over. And so Jesus goes, and how many times does he pray? He prays three times. And so it represents the pressing, if you will, that he was going through in that moment. Tremendous pressure. And the pressure was he knew what was going to happen the next day. What was going to happen the next day was the crucifixion. Now Jesus, I do not believe, was so concerned about the crucifixion by reason of just the physical agony he was going to face. But Jesus realized that this was the hour for which he'd come. He came into the world because the Father had a mission for him. And the mission was simply this, that he was going to take upon himself the judgment. Think about this, the judgment for the sins of all the world. Think about how many times you and I have sinned. Every time that we failed God, every time that we missed the mark with God, and multiply that literally billions of times by all people that will live during all of humanity. And in that moment, Jesus understood that the Father was going to outpour upon Him His wrath for all the judgment of the sin of the world would be placed upon Jesus. And so the agony that Christ was feeling was not about His physical suffering. Certainly He was aware of that as the Son of Man but he was also recognizing the fact that he was going to face that moment when on the cross he would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the father would turn his back on his very own son in the moment of placing all the judgment of sin upon him. And so with that heavy weight of pressure upon him, Jesus prayed his way through. And of course, the prayer that he prayed was one that really is so critical to remember. He prayed this prayer, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Three times he prayed that. And I want to talk to you today about your own life and talk to you about, about the power of pressure. I'm so thankful that Jesus went through that pressure, aren't you? Okay. Think about where we would, we would be today had Jesus not followed through with that pressure. Had he not been willing to say yes to the pressure the Father was placing him under in that moment. And I want to remind you that all of us in life experience times of pressure. And what you do in your times of pressure, is those things are extremely important because certain things can only be produced by pressure. Olive oil can only be produced when there's a pressing of the olives. Diamonds can only be produced when there's a pressure that's placed upon it. And there's certain things that will only come out of your life when you're willing to go through the pressure. And going through the pressure of life means that you accept responsibility for your life before God. Even as Jesus did, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And there are times in life when you will go through challenging situations that you will say, no, I'd rather not do this. But God has an assignment for all of us, and that assignment sometimes includes pressurized moments. But here's the thing to remember, that if you and I will go through the pressure and the pressuring of our lives, there's something beautiful that will come out of the pressure that not only benefits us, but benefits many others as well. 
Think about what may come out of your life as you go through times when God is testing your faith or challenging you in a moment. As you continue to press through that pressure and you learn to persevere through it and pray the very same prayer that Jesus prayed. Father, if it be your will, I'd love to get out of this, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And as Jesus went through that pressure and eventually goes to the cross, out of that cross comes our salvation. Out of that cross comes the great story of the resurrection. And the same is true for all of us, that when we go through the pressure of life, Whatever assignment that God will give you, there will be pressure moments. But if you persevere through that pressure, you don't give in to the pressure. You don't let the pressure break you. You press through with God because you say, God, I know that something good, valuable is coming out of this. As you press through it, you press past it to a place of great victory. And not only does it bring blessing to your life, but it brings blessing to many other lives as well. So my prayer for you here at this place called the Garden of Gethsemane, the oil press, is that whatever you're facing in terms of pressure in your life right now, or whatever you might face in terms of pressure in the days to come, that when you want to bail out of your pressure, that you say, no, Jesus didn't bail out. I'm not bailing out either, okay? Jesus didn't give up. I'm not giving up either. Jesus persevered, so I'm going to persevere through, through, through this as well. And the thing that got Jesus through it was his trust in God. He knew, Father, if it be your will, I would like to get out of this, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. How could he say that? Because he trusted the will of his Father. Let me remind you that no matter what pressure you go through in life, on the other side, as you go through the pressure, and on the other side of that pressure, you can be sure that God will bring good out of it because our God is a good God. That's why the Scripture tells us that we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and those that are called according to His purpose. So can I encourage you today in the midst of whatever pressure times you face in your life to remember where you are in this place, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus did not yield to the pressure. He wanted to bail out, but He did not bail out. And because of that, we have our salvation. And when you make the choice not to bail out, there'll be blessing for your life and blessing for others as well. A lot of the places that we went to just helped bring the Bible alive in my own life. But one place that really stands out is the experience I had at the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. And this is the place where Jesus went with uh, Peter, James, and John to, to pray um, right before he was crucified. And just to be in that place, in that surreal place uh, where Jesus was, it just meant so much to me. Now, what made it even more impactful was the message that Pastor Dale taught while we were there, or the revelation that I had, was that at the time of Jesus, his greatest need, when he was afraid and anxious, he went to pray. And, you know, uh, I think the gospel says that he prayed so hard until his sweat turned into blood. That just meant so much to me. And as Pastor Dale was saying, sometimes in our life, you know, we all go through pressures and we have different troubles that come our way and that's just part of life. But knowing to go to God when we are in such times is one thing that I will take and that I'll always remember. That when things get hard, you know, you don't have to run away from God. Human nature has that we try and maybe figure it out on our own or we think God can help us at that time. But just knowing that Jesus, when his greatest time of need, he went to his Father. And as the time got closer and closer, he even prayed even harder and harder and he was pressed even more. The pressure was more intense the harder he prayed. So that's one thing that I think I'll apply in my life. I'm amidst everything else that I've learned in Israel. It's been an incredible experience. And I just take the message home and I hope that that will change your life as well.
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.